Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bright doing a little dance. You always give me away. Yeah. I do secret things for you, and then you immediately say what I'm doing. Yeah. Hey, Chuck just rubbed his butt. I didn't know <laughs> that they were secret just for me. Yeah, it's our, it's my little gift. I had no idea. Thanks it's for my, that, it's Chuck. Friday, dude. It's so good to be recording on a Friday. You have and no it's idea. beautiful out. It's like 80 degrees. Gorgeous. We have a window, so we can see the beauty. Yeah. Or we can actually see that ugly building. The uh, the construction in the office is well underway. We've been inhaling uh, volatile organic compounds all week. It's out of hand, actually. Yeah. It's everywhere I turn, there are uh, desks that shouldn't be there and cube walls stacked up. Yeah, it's weird. I can't believe we're not working at home through this whole thing. That's quite an idea, Brian. Is that a complaint? I don't want to come across as complaining. You're fine. I'm glad I have a job. We don't have a sponsor. It doesn't matter. Okay. Chuck... Yes. Have you ever seen uh, Tourette's guy on YouTube? Uh, no. You haven't? Uh-uh. He's this guy. He's a hefty guy with a glasses and a mustache and um, often a neck brace. Okay. And he has a foul mouth, an anger problem. Uh-huh. Uh, he's fond of using Bob Saget as an expletive. He goes, Bob Saget! <laughs> That's uh, funny because Bob Saget is a very foul mouth. He is, surprisingly so. I love that that about him. That in itself is almost a curse word. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he's taken a lot of heat because he's very abusive toward his family members. Um, I think I have seen this. I, I, I can't imagine that you haven't. Yeah. He says just the craziest stuff. And also, uh, the, the stuff he's saying is, is in response oftentimes to, uh, what like questions other people ask or whatever. So really, he comes off as just a jerk. So I went on Snopes right. to find out if the guy actually has Tourette's. He probably does not. He does. Oh, actually. Really? He, had, he was diagnosed with Tourette's, but his family admits on the uh, Feeling Guilty page um, that uh, he does have anger and alcohol issues that exacerbate things. Okay. So, so yeah. he, he may just be a jerk as well. It's possible. Okay. Yeah, but... He has raised awareness, one could say, of Tourette's syndrome. Tourette's syndrome. Tourette's going to be a problem throughout this whole podcast. There is no S. It is Tourette syndrome. Yeah, unless you're just calling it Tourette's. Right. And without the syndrome, then it has an apostrophe S. Right. And the reason why is because it belongs to a French physician, correct, Chuck? Yes, his name was Gilles de la Tourette. It's how I'm going to pronounce it in my faux French. And he was a physician in France in the 1800s, <laughs> and he did not uh, actually. He, he was not the first person to um, to report about Tourette's. That was uh, Jean-Marc Gaspard Itard. Yes, very nice. <laughs> and he described the symptoms of a lady, a, a noblewoman named Marquis de Dampia. I am impressed with you, Chuck. Yeah, she was elderly, and she had sounds like she had Tourette's, and. Uh, he described them as a, a tick illness. Yeah. And then later on is when uh, Tourette himself published the study of nervous affliction when he, he tracked nine people in a French hospital, and then it officially became Tourette. Right. It became the syndrome de Tourette. That's right. Yeah. We sound like we could collude at any moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's where the, the uh, syndrome gets its name, right? Indeed. 
Uh, and since then, well, I guess since uh, the, the 19th century to, I'd say, the mid-20th century, it was basically like, holy cow. Observe and uh, You report. had Tourette syndrome, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then in the, the later 20th century, we started to get a slightly better handle on what was going on with uh, Tourette sufferers. Um, but we still don't entirely know what what's going on there. Uh, right. we, we suspect that it has a uh, genetic basis. Yeah. Uh, because um, it, it, they haven't tracked it to the gene, but they, they believe that there's a, uh, or they've noticed that parents with Tourette's have a 50% chance of passing on to their kids. Right. Which is pretty strongly in favor of genetics. Yeah. We also know, and this I found it very interesting, I didn't know this, that you always have the onset of Tourette's, Tourette's, <laughs> you're right, this is difficult, mm-hmm. before the age of 18. Yeah, usually it starts around seven, uh-huh. peaks from eight to twelve, yeah, and then the ticks start to decrease steadily. Yeah, after that, boys get them more than girls. Yep, uh, f- I think f- they're four times likelier, three to four times likelier to, to have Tourette's uh-huh. than girls are. And you can have Tourette's and not notice it too. Yeah, like uh, not have visible ticks. It's just in the gene is in your body, right? If it is indeed a gene. Yeah, let's let's stop beating around the bush, shall we? Let's. Let us talk about coprolalia. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, coprolalia. Right, that is what you are. What most people think of Tourette's is uh, the old joke. Hey, that guy's got Tourette's. If somebody yells an obscenity, right, a, a vocal tick. It's a complex vocal tick. Very complex. There's a simple vocal tick, which might be like a grunt or clearing your throat or right. something like that. A complex vocal tick is uh, is a symptom of Tourette syndrome. Uh, where you are stringing words together, right. or even just saying a word, right. would would be a complex vocal tick. But specifically with coprolalia, coprolalia, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, these these words aren't uttered often within a social or emotional context, right? Meaning that you know you're not the, there's it's quiet in the auditorium when the sure. kid blurts it out, you right? Know? Right. Um, and it's an obscenity. They're, they blurt obscenities or reference to genitalia or um, bodily functions. Whatever. Or sexual acts. Right. Yeah. Um, Bob Saget. That, yeah, <laughs> right. The thing is, though, is um, a, lo- a lot of people who age uh, and have coprolalia um, learn to – they learn tricks. Like they might mutter it a little more. Right. They might mask their mouth. With their hands, uh-huh. um, they might say just the first letter or two of the word, like f or sh, and that is enough for right. a lot of people who suffer suffer from this this affliction or have the symptom. Right. Um, but in other cases, it's so extreme that you can't say anything but that word that yeah. comes out. And what I've read is it's akin to wanting to um, sneeze. Ah, uh, yeah. But say sneezing is socially unacceptable. Right. So you have to cough, uh-huh. but that doesn't satisfy the urge to sneeze, and eventually you're going to have to sneeze. Do you know what I would do? What? I would just turn around and look at the guy behind me every time. Be like, whoa, dude. <laughs> right, yeah. What's your deal? Well, apparently also there's a kind of um, sub-suffering of coprolalia uh-huh. where um, people blurt out like racial and ethnic slurs in the company of people... Wow. Who would take offense to that? But the researchers point out, although I'm not entirely certain that they have a true handle on this, they point out that this doesn't necessarily indicate 
you know, the, the thoughts of a person uh, who has coprolalia. Right. It's just this is what the, what's in their mind right then or what they're saying or what's coming out. Yeah. Well, that is uh, that is can be a symptom of Tourette's, but it's only in less than 15% of sufferers. So the common thing that most people think of is actually very uncommon. Right. And like you said, um, a lot of people have such mild symptoms, you, you wouldn't even notice it. Like I could have Tourette's syndrome, Chuck, a very mild case, and you wouldn't know. I'd know. Okay. <laughs> well, well, they say uh, stat-wise, one in a hundred people suffer from a mild form, mm-hmm. which is a lot more than I would have thought. Yeah. And about two hundred thousand Americans—it's just Americans—have uh, the most severe forms. Right. So that's that's definitely a little more common than you would think. And it is um, pan-cultural, but it's not found in equal amounts in every culture, which kind of undermines the genetic basis idea. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, because there's a lot more. Tourette sufferers in in um, the U.S. than in Japan. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if that's something to do with our culture. We're a foul mouth culture, maybe. <laughs> right. We're and, and we're very um, nervous. I think the Cold War yeah. did it to us. Well, and they do say that anxiety sometimes can increase the amount of ticks and relaxation. That's one of the things they'll try and get you to do is relax yourself with like breathing techniques. Right. So that that could have some credibility. We'll get to that, Doctor Clark. Thank you, Dr. Bryant. Um, whether or not it has a genetic basis, and by the way, if it does, we'll know for certain within five to ten years because oh, we're really? going to understand every single gene in the human genome within that time, I think. That's scary. It is very scary. All the ramifications, too. that's a podcast in itself. Yes, it is. Look for that one. 2011. <laughs> um, it, whether or not it has a genetic basis, they, they have kind of uh, – and by they, I mean people who are involved in Tourette research. Sure. Uh, have Not the government. Have, no. Although they do fund some through the National Institutes of Health. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've kind of narrowed down some regions of the brain that are likely candidates for um, the underlying mechanism of Tourette syndrome, right? Yeah, I thought this was a little weak. I did too, and I didn't like the word pinpointed. Yeah, because, I mean, they picked the thalamus, the basal ganglia, and the frontal cortex, and... It's kind of like those are the three things that control like your motor functions are like, well, it must have something to do with that then. Or your uh, frontal <laughs> cortex, which is in charge of uh, controlling the motor activity of speech, including right. speech. So it seems like, I don't know, those are the obvious parts of the brain. Right. Like nobody did any real research. That's not true, of course. But You know, they're just like, it's probably this part of the brain. But like we know enough about the brain if someone were to have sat us down beforehand and said, pick out the three parts that may be responsible, I probably would have picked out those three. I would have said frontal cortex. Sure. Sure. Um, the problem is, Chuck, is not only do we not know that much about the brain, humanity in general, and science specifically, yeah. doesn't have that great of a grasp on we've, the brain. We've said it before. But, and we'll say it again, too, <laughs> but um, it looks like the likeliest candidate is not necessarily a brain region, but a, uh, the, these brain regions working or malfunctioning in conjunction, right, because of a uh, an excess of the neurotransmitter dopamine. Yeah, misfiring transmitters. That's always the case. And again, the reason why they think that this is possible is not because they have any hard scientific evidence that this is the case. They've just noticed that in Parkinson's patients, which are the opposite of um, Tourette's patients right. in a lot of ways, um, they they move much more slowly, uh, unsteadily. 
um, and their motor function seems to be impaired. It's decreased. Mm-hmm. And they've found that there is a uh, lack of dopamine right. in Parkinson's patients. So they're like, well, then it's, it probably just means that there's an excess of sure. dopamine in, you know, Tourette patients. Because yeah. the universe is that cut and dry. A little flimsy. Right. That's what I think. Yeah, me too. But like we said, it's the brain. And it's just such a crapshoot when you're dealing with the brain. You just don't know. They're doing their best, though. Yeah. Should we talk about symptoms? Yeah, let's. Well, we already covered the obscenity bursting. Caprolalia. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> you took the cue. And that is the rarest symptom. Uh, more commonly, what you're going to see is like eye blinking, throat clearing, uh, shoulder shrugging. I, I know a guy. Facial grimaces? Yeah, facial grimaces. That This friend of mine in high school had Tourette's, and I didn't even know it until, you know, Recently, when I was researching, I was like, oh, that guy Andy had Tourette's. Wow. Because he would go like, uh, like, and like blink and turn his head and like make a little guttural sound like that. Well, yes, then he would have Tourette's because you said that he had a motor tick and a vocal tick, right? Yes. So if he just had, you know, the shoulder shrugging, um, and, or eye blinking or twitching, just that, uh-huh. he would have had a chronic motor tick disorder. Right. Or if he just made the, the guttural sounds, he, he probably would have had chronic vocal, vocal motor tick disorder. That's a tough one to get out, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, since we're here, we might as well go ahead and say, and I didn't realize this either, that there are all these very specific classifications. So if you, if you're being diagnosed with Tourette's, they rule out a lot of other things first. And then once they've ruled out all the, all the other stuff, they go, okay, have you, uh, what kind of ticks do you have? Right. How often do you have them? When did you start getting them? Because it's got to be before 18. Right. Uh, you have to have multiple motor ticks and at least one vocal tick. And both of those have to happen within one year. And within that year, you cannot go three months without a tick and still be diagnosed with Tourette's. Right. I didn't know it was that specific. I didn't either. But it, it's it, in all of it's based on observation, obviously. Um, but if you have something else, Tourette falls under a uh, the umbrella of movement disorders, right? Right. Um, so there's all these different kind of sister sibling disorders that that could be uh, that could be diagnosed rather than Tourette. It's kind of like right. Tourette is a a melange of of movement disorders or motor disorders. A melange, very nice. Thank you very much. We're back to the French, right? Exactly. So, Chuck, I jumped ahead a little bit, didn't I? Yeah, that's all right. Um, there are some other really interesting tidbits about Tourette's that I was unaware of. Like, um, normally they start out higher up in the body, right? And then as the patient ages, they the ticks move further down. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So you might you might start out with. Um, Eye blinking. Or shoulder sh- shrugging sure. or neck tensing or right. something like that, yeah. right? And I should say, by the way, since this isn't a video podcast, you can't see it, but every time Chuck or I describe some sort of tick, we, we yeah, try it out ourselves. It kind of feels, it's almost involuntary. It, it is. And then uh, from there, it can work its way down to the arms and hands, like uh, clenching your fists, that kind of thing. And then eventually down to your feet. So you might stomp your feet really loud or you might have a... a uh, a, hit, a hitch in your giddy up, as they say. <laughs> Who says that? The well, Tourette researchers? They? Walter Brennan, old, old Westerns. Okay. And then ultimately, Chuck, it can move into the respiratory and alimentary systems. So uh, a tick can manifest as a hiccup or a whistling or belching or yeah. a throat clearing or something like that. So it I makes no this idea. cycle uh-huh. over time. 
Uh, it doesn't necessarily, but it can. Right. And once it starts moving, brother, it's tough to bring back to its original position. Yeah. Uh, what, what happens is there's an urge. They all, uh, um, sufferers describe this buildup they feel. It's like building up in their body, like this urge to do it. Yeah. And then that, that is satisfied by the tick, whatever that tick is. And sometimes you can, you know, learn to control that a little bit, but they say that you're just kind of putting up the, uh, the wall, which will be broken at some point, so your tick will be even worse right. later on in the day. It's like if you're in a business meeting and you're just holding it back and holding it back, yeah. you might get out of the business meeting and have like a really bad tick or something. Yeah. Which is, you know, I guess it's good if you can control it, but you got to know when to let it loose, too. Well, yeah, and I imagine that that kind of comes with living with Tourette. Like you realize, okay, I'm going to have a really big tick after this business meeting, but if I can hold it during the meeting, then I'm probably better off or... You know, if you're alone, I'm sure you just let the ticks fly. Right. Um, and also, I, I was reading about a, uh, a, a, the New York Times has a lot of question and answer blogs about Tourette syndrome. Oh, really? Really interesting stuff. One guy said that he uses um, t- his Tourette's as a jerk meter or a jerk sensor. Uh-huh. So, like, he's found that people who... People react very differently, but they can kind of be lumped into two categories. One, people who can look past it and be friends with you, and the other category are people who just can't. And apparently people who are um, not down with Tourette's Uh are kind of (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sure. I mean, in what way, other than the fact that they're kind of jerks for not being understanding? I think that's enough, don't you? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, th- this is something, it, I don't, I don't even know that you could say Tourette syndrome is misunderstood. No. In our, I, the, I think the greatest misunderstanding is thinking that, uh, all Tourette sufferers have coprolalia. Right. But other than that, I mean, it's not like this is some hidden mystery that, that everyone walking the planet hasn't heard about just because it's so fascinating. Right. And it doesn't have any, um, attendant like physical problems associated with it. It's completely, uh, based on brain function, you know? Right. And although there's not like, you know, uh, you're, you're not wheelchair bound when you have, uh, Tourette syndrome, there are other, um, I guess behavioral problems. Right. Or disorders that usually accompany it or can very frequently, right? Yeah, OC, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder and ADHD, which is, uh, adult, uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for filling in the blanks there. Um, and they're, they're not always linked, but, um, a lot of times they are, uh, like a child, if, if you've been diagnosed with Tourette's and you're a kid, many times you'll be diagnosed with, uh, OCD or ADHD afterward. And um, not only that, but sometimes you can have disorders as a result of Tourette's, like a sleeping disorder or a learning disorder, because of the Tourette's. Right. And they, they I know that 25% of Tourette's sufferers have ADHD, which is a pretty strong link. But I also wonder if some of it has to do with uh, misdiagnosis. Maybe. The one that um, I kind of bought into was uh, the OCD um, Tourette link. Yeah, you're 20 times more likely to have uh, OCD or symptoms of OCD if you have Tourette's. Yeah, That's and pretty high. Parents um, who have OCD are uh, have a higher likelihood of having kids with Tourette syndrome. Right. So there's a there's a little something there, something linking them. A little something something. <laughs> uh, so Josh, let's say one of us has Tourette's, 
and we want to try and rein it in some, what can we do? Do you mean treatments? What, what are my options? Well, uh, I think probably the gentlest um, option is uh, behavior modification, yeah, behavioral therapy. Yeah, Josh, and ha- uh, habit reversal therapy is one of the behavioral therapies mm-hmm. they'll use a lot of times. It's got five components, but the, the main key there is the competing response. Right. So if you feel a tick coming on, uh, and oftentimes you'll do the re- the competing response is sort of linked to what your tick is. So if you have like a, a shoulder thing and you feel a tick coming on, you will like really relax your shoulders or roll your shoulders and like roll your neck around or something to try and like fight back the tick. Right. You want to use the same muscles to create the opposite movement though. Right. It's kind of like when your uh, earbud cords are kind of bent, right? <laughs> yeah. You have to bend them back the other way for a while to get back to the middle. It's just like that. Yeah. I, I can't believe I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Chucky. What I don't understand, though, is that, I mean, it makes sense in one way, but if you're always going to be doing that competing response, what's the difference? No, the point is, is you're not always doing the competing response, just like your earbud cord is not going to always be twisted the other way. You're just working it out from being twisted one way for so long. So eventually, you, just, eventually you would be able to eradicate the ticks that's the by point. doing this? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was just to keep from doing the tick, and I thought, well, what's the difference between no, struggling no, your I shoulder see that up point. and down? No, I, I think that it's to eventually get to the point where you're not uh, having those ticks any longer. Gotcha. Um, there's uh, also regular straight-up good old cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which mainly focuses on um, relaxation techniques. Yeah. Um, identifying and dealing with stressors because, like you said, um, Tourette syndrome is often set off by uh, emotions, stress, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's and drugs. There's drugs. There's always drugs. You want to? This these are tough, man. This is dicey, and I think that these are generally um, reserved for people with. Uh, Tourette syndrome that really interferes with their daily life. Yeah, if you can't get it through behavior modification and it's more than a nuisance, mm-hmm. then you might want to look into something like an antipsychotic, Josh. Yeah, like uh, Pemazide or Haloperidol or something. Yeah. Th- these are rough. <laughs> well, that's the deal. That's why doctors don't throw you on these meds if you have Tourette's like immediately because they can uh, bring along some side effects like... Men growing breasts. Men growing breasts. Uh, drooling. Restlessness, uh, sexual dysfunction, and seizures. Yeah. So, in a lot of ways, the uh, the cure can be worse than the, the disease when you're using antipsychotics to treat oh, yeah. Tourette syndrome. Sure. Um, since it occurs in conjunction with ADHD or OCD, a lot of times the doctor will just piggyback the Tourette treatment onto treatment of ADHD or OCD. Right. Yeah. So, if you have OCD and Tourette syndrome, um, you're probably going to be prescribed a SSRI like sure. Zoloft or, or Prozac or something. Yeah, the big P. And then like Ritalin or something to treat ADHD may help alleviate the uh, Tourette syndrome too. Yeah. But Josh, if all these don't work and you've got a really, really debilitating case of Tourette's mm-hmm. and none of this stuff works, there is an experimental surgery taking place called deep brain stimulation where they connect electrodes to wires from a small battery pack in your chest. So it's sort of like a pacemaker for the brain is a good way to describe it. Yeah, and it prevents, it supposedly prevents against the misfiring of, of neurons. Yeah, it blocks, it blocks the firing of the neurons. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is. 
And they're, they're not using this widely now because it's really experimental at this point. But they do use it for Parkinson's. It's going to be one of those treatments that in 50 or 100 years looks just ridiculously primitive and barbaric. Right. You know? I can't believe they used to hook up wires and block firing of neurons. Yeah. Pacemakers in the brain. Should we talk about famous people? Yeah. Because I know we mentioned in, uh, I think in our OCD podcast about uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, who was the basketball player. Yeah, yeah. Was that him? Yeah, I and I think it was I, like Chris somebody. Chris Jackson. He changed his name. Oh, okay. Converted to Islam. <laughs> <laughs> that was me paying attention. I thought his name was Cassius Clay. <laughs> uh, and I think we got email saying, no, he didn't have OCD, he had Tourette's, or the other way around, but I think he was diagnosed with both in conjunction. I might be wrong. You're probably right, Chuck. Dan Aykroyd? I had no idea. Yeah, one of the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Pete Bennett, who apparently was on Big Brother which apparently is a TV show. I have not heard of this. <laughs> I haven't either. Uh, James Boswell, he's a writer. Uh, Jim Eisenreich, he's a uh, Major League Baseball player. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for the Cardinals, maybe. We'll find out. And uh, who else? A little guy named, like, to tinker on the piano named Mozart. Possibly. Possibly. That's uh, that, that might be uh, false. They don't know for sure. And then a few other people I haven't heard of. Goalkeeper for Man U, Tim Howard. Yeah, I'm I'm more of an Arsenal guy. Really? Yeah, figures. And uh, some. some <laughs> what jazz. does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, it's just Arsenal. That's like coming to America and be like New York Yankees, right? But no, I think if you're a Man U fan, that's that that you would go to Europe and be like, I'm a Man U fan. Oh, see, I thought Arsenal was like the big. No, they're both team. pretty big, but it doesn't matter either way if you don't really play soccer and I'm a you're an American guy. and you call it soccer <laughs> right. and you're a, an Arsenal fan sure. I'm making air quotes yeah, you're yeah. a jackass if you walk in here with an Arsenal sweater or something one day I would not oh. maybe a scarf those okay. things are saucy <laughs> check there's one last thing we talked about copralia copralalia yes copralalia mm-hmm. um there's also copropraxia uh-huh the uh the Involuntary use of obscene gestures, sure, like this. I have that in traffic at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do, but it, yours is voluntary. Oh, that's a big difference. There's also uh, echolalia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Oh boy. Uh, exactly. That's when you repeat things that someone says, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh And then lastly, there's uh, echopraxia, which is um, me doing. I'm stroking my goatee as Chuck does too. <laughs> Except you don't have a go- phantom goatee. Right. Okay, so you mimic someone's uh, motion, bodily m- motions? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there you have it. That's uh, Tourette. Is that it? Anything else? Oh, medical marijuana is uh, a study, uh, a field of research right now uh-huh. for treatment of it. And all the potheads are like, yeah, man, it works really well, the treatment <laughs> of Tourette. And all the scientists are like, eh, we don't know. <laughs> Do you see me yelling out words, bro? The ju- exactly. <laughs> the jury's definitely still out on medical marijuana in any of its uses, but the they're looking drug. into it. Right. Yeah. So that's definitely it. That's that's it for now. If you okay. want to learn more about Tourette syndrome, you can type that in. That's T O U R E T T E syndrome, and there's a really cool picture of a Tourette sufferer. It's a multiple exposure picture of a Tourette sufferer undergoing a series of ticks. It's pretty neat. Uh, you can type that into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which of course means it's time for listener mail. The return of listener mail. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a little while. We've been so long-winded lately, there hadn't been any room. Mm-hmm. Jerry's been like, enough. She's listening. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to call this one uh, P- 
Patriot Offsets. This is from uh, Rob in Cincinnati, Rob K. And he, uh, I'll just summarize the beginning. He was a little, he's a little put off by the whole carbon offset thing. Because he's like, how can you be an environmentalist and support this? Like, it basically means you're free to do whatever you want as long as you buy these offsets. He was put off in the same way by the Catholic Church who sold indulgences to offset the sins of the wealthy. Uh-huh. We got a lot of email about this. Apparently, that you know, I said something about a karma uh, offsetter, and they said indulgences are kind of like that. Yeah. So he's he was put off by that, and they were very popular. So he says, in the spirit of the carbon offset, Josh and Chuck, I am now creating the Patriot offset. Okay. Because I have noticed once or twice in the blogs that you two get a few people who are a bit closed-minded and question your patriotism. Yeah, that happens from time to time. Yeah, they think we're uh, Some not, guy asked me if I served in the military very mockingly. Oh, really? Yeah. You should have said, yeah, Howard Stern always says that he was in Vietnam when he wasn't. <laughs> he tells these big, long stories about it. Nice. Uh, I, have a, uh, I have 15 years in the Army with three deployments so far for the simple price of a shout-out on the podcast. I'm willing to give each of you a year of my Army time and let's say three months of peacekeeping deployment in Kosovo. Awesome. You guys had a blast, trust me, he says, in Kosovo. So next time anyone calls you a hippie or anything like that, just tell them that you bought your service to your country and you are true Americans. And that is from Rob. So we now have served a year in the Army. So do we get a year each or a year combined? Were we in the same platoon, same unit? Or did we do any like search and destroy missions? We need to come up with this yeah. stuff. I, th- I think we were definitely probably bunk mates. Because I remember that one night when I... Well, not in the same bunk. Oh, okay. Bunks are on top of each other. I, I just remember being on that top bunk that Jerry night liked that one when you beat me with the bar of soap in the towel along with You're all the other guys. You're asking for it, Squealer. You shouldn't screw things up for the rest of the platoon. I had to wipe down the latrines because of you. Yeah, sorry. Pile? Well, I got it in the end with the soap. You certainly did. <laughs> wow, Chuck, that one was fraught with the... Uh, innuendo? Innuendo. Nice. All of it was super clean, though. And also, did you know that in the Civil War, wealthy people could pay people to stand in uh, for their conscription? Oh, really? Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Which we just kind of did. Yeah. With no money changing hands, it's basically legal. So, shout out to Rob. Yeah, big shout out to Rob. Thank you for the military service for us. Um, if you want to give Chuck or I anything, we love free stuff. You can send an email to us describing it and possibly offering something. Uh, to Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?